And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to Creating a Family talk about adoption and infertility. Today we're going to be talking about induced lact- or inducing lactation for adoption and surrogacy. This is a topic we get a lot of questions on. This is a topic that's really popular, particularly in the adoption community. Here's a sample of what you're going to hear. I will say, um, if I were to look back on my 14 years of, of my career in looking at the moms that I have worked with, it was inducing, um, I will say, all the cases have been able to produce something. And some are able to have a full supply, some are able to produce half a supply, but even those that are only able to produce half to a quarter, the, the, the milk they are producing, I encourage those moms to look at as almost their vitamins or this amazing you know, gift they're giving is because every drop of breast milk they're getting from their mom is going to help their immunity levels, their growth hormones, and their developmental states. I'm Dawn Davenport. I'm the director of Creating a Family. We are the National Adoption and Infertility Education and Support Nonprofit. You can find us online at creatingafamily.org. One of the things we do here at Creating a Family is we have courses, online courses for adoptive parents and adoptive professionals. And uh, one course that I think you will find particularly interesting is a course on uh, adoptive breastfeeding. Uh, it is, gives you all the information uh, about that. We have a certificate of completion, so if you need to have um, uh, proof that you took the course uh, for whatever reason, whether you be an adopted parent or a professional, you can uh, get a certificate of completion to submit. You can find that by going to our uh, website, creatingafamily.org, and click on online courses, and then click on the adopted for parents. Uh, and I think you're really going to enjoy that. Uh, we are a weekly radio show, and we use the podcast model. That way you can listen whenever and wherever you want. And we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast because, quite frankly, that's just the easiest way to get notice. You can choose then whether to listen to that week's show or not, but you will get notice. Go to whatever, uh, if you're on your phone, go to iTunes or whatever listening um, um, uh, app you are currently using. If you are on your computer, you can go to our website under the radio show page, under our resources, click on radio show, and there's a subscribe button there. The Creating a Family radio show is underwritten by our corporate sponsor, Faring Pharmaceutical. We thank them for their continued support in making this show happen. In addition to Faring, we also have gold sponsors who believe in our mission of providing unbiased education and support. And it is through their support that we are uh, able to bring you this show. Some of our wonderful gold sponsors include Children's House International. They are a nonprofit, Hague-accredited international adoption agency with programs in 13 countries. They provide full services, <clears throat> excuse me, including home studies, 
in the states of Florida, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Texas, Utah, and Washington State. And they place children with any U.S.-approved family worldwide. Hang on just a second. I have a cough, so let me um, get rid of that, and I'll be right back with you. <coughs> of course, you have a cough when you're you know, on the air. Um, so some of our other great gold sponsors include Holt International. They were founded in 1956, and they want every child to have a loving and secure home. They lead the global community in finding families for children who need them and providing the pre- and post-adoption support services in order for those families to thrive. And we also have Hopscotch Adoption. They are a Hague-accredited adoption agency placing waiting children from around the world, offering home study and post-adoption services to residents of North Carolina and New York. In addition to our gold sponsors, we have other sponsors whose generosity allows us to bring you the show. So do us a favor. When you are choosing an adoption service provider, go to the directories we have on our website and choose one because when you choose someone off of our directory, you're supporting those who support us, and we thank you. Today we're going to be talking about induced lactation in both adoption and surrogacy. Our guest is Danielle Gauss. She is an internationally board-certified lactation consultant. She is a member of the International Lactation Consultants Association, and she is an ICCE certified childbirth educator and a certified labor doula. Her website, where she has information on all aspects of breastfeeding, is justbreastfeeding.com, and she is the founder of that website as well. Welcome, Danielle, to Creating a Family. Thank you. It's, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I think we got to start with the uh, induced lactation is a term that when you're in the breastfeeding world, we're used to that term, but outside mm-hmm. of the breastfeeding world, and even quite frankly for a lot of people who are, are uh, breastfeeding advocates, they've never heard of the term induced lactation. So what do we mean by induced lactation? So basically, that's a very generalized term stating that what we do is we induce or begin lactation or breastfeeding on a woman who has not been pregnant. Um, So whether that be a a mother who's adopting, um, or it could be even the surrogate, which works a little bit differently, um, but it it is creating breast milk for a woman who has not been pregnant prior. And I suppose it, it helps to begin by at least talking about we we generally know that there are nutritional benefits to breast milk. And we also know mm-hmm. that there are emotional benefits. I don't want to spend a lot of time because I think most people are already sold on the benefits, uh, both nutritional Absolutely. and emotional. But, I mean, just can you just give us the, the crib note version of, of, of why breastfeeding is important for infants and for moms? Absolutely. I mean, you, you pretty much mentioned it already. There's so much more to breastfeeding than just feeding. Um, certainly, as 
a, you know, an adoptive mom, which is so interesting that I get to do this today because four years ago today, I actually induced lactation um, for the hopes of adoption for myself. So, um, and, and for my sole purpose, it was very much an emotional way to bond to that baby to make um, me feel as if he were, he were my own. Um, so the emotional aspect of it is, is very powerful. Um, but from the health standpoint, there are so many benefits as, that we know as far as um, breast milk can provide. For example, um, just the immunofactors, the antibodies that breast milk can provide. Our bodies are so smart um, in the sense that it can sense when our babies are sick, it will actually, when the baby is latching, our bodies will respond to that and produce antibodies specific for whatever virus that baby might be fighting and will protect that baby at that moment. There's also, of course, growth hormones um, that only breast milk can provide that will help the baby grow um, stronger, as well as that we certainly know that it prevents against most childhood illnesses and then long-term benefits for both mom and baby in the sense that it protects against cancers, um, breast cancer, ovarian cancer for mom, but also um, we know that it can prevent diabetes and colitis and obesity, ear infections, et cetera. Um, so it's just overall a healthy benefit, um, and it's a great option um, for, for everyone involved. I did not That's realize the that. <laughs> that, that was, well, I asked for the crib note version. Uh, and I did not realize that you were an adoptive mom and that you had breastfed your adopted child. So you I, did, well, you know. it it was a fail. Unfortunately, the the birth mother chose to to keep the baby, but um, I had um, induced lactation for myself uh, to, and I had the the great honor of being able to um, do that for a day or so, and then um, the the mama herself ended up taking the baby, which was fine because it it ended up being a beautiful story. I was glad to be a part of it in a short way, but I have been through it myself, so it does help yeah. in knowing that. I've been through the process, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk a bit mm-hmm. about the process. There's three. Sure. I'm going to start by just naming the three basic ways, and then we're going to to jump in. Um, sure. One way is uh, uh, to induce lactation, to, to create breast milk in a woman who has not, uh, has not previously been pregnant or is not Correct. currently pregnant. All right. So one is hormone stimulation with pumping. The second method mm-hmm. we're going to talk about is prolactin stimulation without the hormones uh, and pumping. Mm-hmm. And the last way is going to be breast pumping alone, with or without some Correct. herbal supplements, which we'll talk about. All right, the first one, hormone stimulants with pumping. It's actually hormone and, and prolactin stimulants um, with pumping. Can you describe that method? Sure. Um, it certainly does help. To if the woman has been pregnant before. It doesn't mean that she had to have given birth, um, but certainly our breasts have cellular memory. So if it's lactated in any capacity prior, it certainly will help. But that doesn't mean that it won't work if you haven't been pregnant. Um, so, and, and let me preface this as well. There, a colostrum, which is a, that pre-milk, that pregnant women produce is only able to be produced if you had a placenta. Um, so when we induce lactation, there won't be colostrum, but there still will be, um, you know, human milk. So I always like to preface that because it often gets confused. So the, the first step, which is the most effective way, is that we it helps if your body's kind of tricked into thinking it's been pregnant. Uh, so you we start with birth control. 
um, and you take the birth control pills. There's different uh, versions of the pill, obviously. Um, some work better than others. So I definitely recommend speaking to your doctor about what's going to work best for you. Um, but the, the best way is to, if, ideally, if you have six months, that would be great. But really, all we need is three months' time. And you would start the birth control pills, but you would not take the placebos. So if you're looking at you know, a pill pack, it, it usually has three weeks of the hormone and then one week off, which would allow a woman to menstruate. We would skip that part, and you would consistently take um, the hormone for a solid three months. Then once that three months uh, are up, you would stop the pill and begin pumping. And it would mimic the cycle of what uh, a baby would do. So I recommend getting a hospital grade pump. Uh, the Symphony by Medela is, is amazing. And you would simply pump for about 15 minutes every three hours. You won't see much at first, but what that's doing is it's sending prolactin receptors to the brain. It's also uh, causing oxytocin to be released, which are the two hormones that cause milk to begin to be produced. So what's happened is when you've taken that, the birth control, which is tricking our body into thinking it's been pregnant, and then immediately you cease and begin breast stimulation, our prolactin levels, which is the hormone that's responsible for making milk, will begin to produce. Um, so when that happens, at that point, I recommend also beginning um, some galactagogues, which are herbal supplements to help increase. Um, there's different forms. We'll get into that, I'm sure, as to what works best for each part of the body. Uh, but there's also um, some medications you can take to help stimulate your pituitary gland to release more prolactin. And when those are working together, along with the stimulation, you'll have the most success because your body will begin to realize what's happening and will eventually, within a few days, sometimes a week, begin the process of making milk. Most moms feel their breasts become a little bit more tender. Um, you'll start to feel heaviness, and then eventually you'll start to produce milk. Okay, and so tell me the name of the pump again. You said it pretty quick, so let's say it's slower so that everybody will get that because I do think um, the little uh, the little handheld pumps that we will often use or you often see people using uh, when they are simply trying to uh, uh, pump some of their breast milk when they're actively uh, already nursing are not what you're talking about. A hospital-grade pump, That's it's a Medela brand, and which specific one did you think, would you recommend? Really, uh, the specific one that will work the best is a Symphony pump by Medela. And the reason behind that is that there is two different cycles in it. And most of the time you can rent these pumps from a hospital um, or any maternity boutique. You can't purchase the hospital-grade pumps, but you can rent them. Um, if you would prefer, you can purchase a Medela Pump and Style Advance, which is very similar to the Symphony. Um, and I'd like to also mention that the new guidelines, most insurance companies will cover breast pumps. So if you contact your insurance company, they will often send you, even um, adopted mothers who are inducing lactation, they will send you an a electric pump, which is fantastic. So the idea behind using the double electric pump is because there's two different cycles on it. The first one, um, the pump is a little bit faster, and the idea behind that is that it stimulates what the baby would do to um, stimulate letdown or the milk ejection reflex. So there's a two-minute cycle of just a really fast um, suckle. 
after two minutes, it will switch to more of an expression mode. And that has to deal with actually moving the milk from the milk ducts down into the, the nipple. So the two different modes are helpful, which is, which is why using a hospital grade or a double electric pump is most beneficial. And I would like to stress too, it's, you know, you'll, with electric pumps, you obviously can pump both breasts at the same time, which is far more effective than just using um, one breast at a time with the hand pump, for example. So you, pumping both breasts at the same time produces double the hormone response, so your body will kind of catch on a little bit faster, and so you're, you're producing more prolactin, you're producing more oxytocin, so therefore the milk will produce faster. Well, and to say nothing of the fact that you're doing this in order to be effective, you've got to Mm -hmm. do it frequently. Um, Give the timings out again. Sure. How often do you want people to do it? Uh, it, now, sleep, of course, is golden, especially as you're preparing for your new little one. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily set your alarm it, it, when you're preparing prior to the arrival of the baby to necessarily wake up in the middle of the night to pump. Um, so I want, you to, I want mamas to get a good night's sleep so that their bodies can be rested to make milk. But ideally, the idea is to pump eight times in a 24-hour period. So typically what that looks like is every three hours, kind of round the clock. Now, as if you're going to be sleeping, of course, an eight-hour stretch at night, you can piggyback and do what I would call a, a power pump, which is right before going to bed and pumping, you know, for 10 minutes every hour and a half to two hours. So, for example, if you wake up in the morning, I would pump first thing in the morning, both breasts for about 15 minutes. And then three hours later, do the same thing. Um, come afternoon, early evening, if you'd like to choose to sleep throughout the night prior to the arrival of the baby, then I would just increase that to every hour and a half to two hours, both breasts for 10 to 15 minutes, and then you'd get your full night's rest. It's also incredibly important that during that time, you're making sure you're drinking enough water because our bodies are going to need the extra hydration in order to increase what's happening in the cellular level on inside the breast. So making sure that you stay hydrated along with the stimulation is incredibly important. All right. We, you talked about being on birth control. And then at one point, and mm-hmm. then did we, uh, at what point do you stop the birth control and then start on um, any of the prolactin stimulant medications? I would begin that the day that you stop um, the birth control because those two are kind of counterproductive if you do them together. Um, so the day that you start the, stop the birth control, I would begin um, a medication called Domperidone. Now, this is the tricky part with Domperidone. It is not FDA approved in the United States, uh, which is quickly becoming overturned. You can get it with a prescription from your um, doctor or you can get it from an online pharmacy. Uh, here's, here's where that ruling kind of comes into play. So the way Domperidone works, it's actually a, it's also known as motilium. Um, it is a GI medication. So it just happens to have a side effect of stimulating the pituitary gland to produce prolactin. In the United States, Reglin is the medication that is often prescribed for increasing breast milk um, from your OBGYNs. 
The problem that the AAP, as well as most lactation consultants, have with Reglan is it has a side effect of causing um, postpartum depression. It can cause anxiety and neurological side effects. So we don't recommend it. It just isn't worth, it doesn't work well enough, and it isn't worth the emotional side effects. Domperidone, which is similar to Reglan, is much safer and does not have the emotional or neurological side effects that its sister drug has. So it's what the AAP recommends as well as most OBGYN and pediatricians. So domperidone works by stimulating the pituitary gland to produce prolactin. So when you begin that, while you start pumping, the natural stimulation from the breast tissue along with the medication allows your body to produce more prolactin, which is going to cause the milk to be produced. I also often recommend at that point adding in an herbal galactagogue, um, such as um, what my, my go-to is More Milk Plus Special Blend by a company called Mother Love. And in there is four herbs. It has uh, blessed thistle, fenugreek, a nettle root, and goat's rue. And all of those work together um, to help draw water into the breast, to support the pituitary gland, to um, cause the milk ducts to grow and enhance just like it would during pregnancy so that the milk can be produced more on a cellular level. So when you kind of have that trifecta working with the pumping, the domperidone, and the herbal galactagogues, the effect of the milk being produced is far stronger and ends up coming faster, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So you trick your body in a way to Mm -hmm. believe it is pregnant through the birth control. Correct. And and you need to talk with your doctor about which birth control would be the most effective um, because different birth controls have different hormonal combinations, different hormonal formulas. That's correct. So you Mm -hmm. want to talk with your doctor about which one uh, would be the, the most effective. And then you stop the hormones, they stop the birth control, and that would be the equivalent of, of telling your body that it is no longer pregnant. Uh, and at that point, you're starting every, a number of things, including the prolactin stimulant medication, either domperidone or reglan, and you're manually stimulating the, the, the breast as well, through a pumping uh, schedule that you have already mentioned, Mm -hmm. and you're adding as well some herbal stimulants, uh, some herbal uh, prolactin stimulants as well. Correct. uh, So that's the the method that hormone stimulants, uh, meaning the birth control, with prolactin stimulant, which is the domperidome or the uh, reglam, and uh, with pumping. A, uh, and, and, and one thing that I didn't finish where I was going to say, another major advantage, quite frankly, of having the dual pumps, which one pump for each breast, uh, and so you could do it at the same time, is that it uh, it cuts the amount of time you are pumping in half, and you're going to be pumping a lot. So if for no other reason, yes. that's a good reason to be using the, um, and the hospital grades, of course, are, are much stronger and, and are much more likely to simulate a, an infant. Um, all right. So and I would like about, to mention yeah, go ahead. One, one thing about the pumping, Don. Um, with, since there will not be – th- there's different strengths on the pump. More is not better when pumping. Uh, a lot of moms assume that they should turn it up as high as it will go, thinking that that's going to be the most effective route. I don't recommend that. 
A, it's not going to be comfortable and it's not effective necessarily in causing more milk. So you just want to turn it down to a comfortable level. I recommend being on the low to medium setting. And, that, and I also recommend because you're not necessarily lactating yet, you don't want to cause any irritation to the nipple area. So I recommend, you know, usually breast milk will lubricate once you begin producing and it won't cause any chafing. But at this point, since we're pumping just to pump and stimulate, I would take some coconut oil and just rub it with inside the flange of the pump. And that will help keep it more comfortable for mom. Since you are going to be doing a lot of pumping without fluid starting yet, it would be more comfortable for you to make sure you definitely have that lubricated so it doesn't doesn't cause any chafing. Oh, that's a good idea because you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be yeah. hard to continue the schedule if you've if you've rubbed your nipples raw. Um, then exactly. that's going to make it more uncomfortable and less likely that you will keep the schedule up, which is what you need. Exactly. All right. Exactly. So uh, that was we, we mentioned that there were three methods. And um, mm-hmm. am I guessing that the of the three, the first one that we just talked about is the hormone stimulants with uh, prolactin stimulants with pumping. The second Correct. one is prolactin stimulants alone, in other words, without the birth control pills, uh, and pumping. Um, so from a, how does that differ from a timing standpoint? Because um, you're not going to have been taking the how far in advance do you need to do it and uh, – uh, so let's talk about that. That this method is is more effective for women who have previously been pregnant because our breasts remember what they've done. So just pumping alone can help reactivate um, our breast tissue to produce milk again. Uh, so I would, to be honest, as soon as you. Um, find out that you get to be a mama again, or I I would recommend pumping at that point because the sooner you can get the breast producing, the better. Obviously, time is a gift in this process. So the more time you spend on on building that supply, the better. So I would still recommend... You know, if you the, as soon as you find out the process is able to start, I would start at that point, and it's going to be the same pumping schedule. Um, you know, eight times a day, both breasts for 10 to 15 minutes, and making sure you lubricate the pump, turn it on to a low to medium setting. But you're going to be using herbs, and and this is more um, directed again, like I said, to the moms who've who've lactated prior, but also to those moms who maybe aren't comfortable introducing hormones. And I, and I completely support that in the sense that if there's any health issues prior, we have to pay attention to that. Um, we want to make sure, I also recommend any mom who's choosing to induce lactation, I would make sure that you know, your thyroid is healthy, um, that you've been checked out on that aspect because that can play a role in how you produce milk as well as anything endocrine. So if your endocrine system has been off in the past, you want to make sure you're following up with your endocrinologist or your doctor to make sure that is, that is stable, especially if you're choosing to not go down the, the hormonal route to strictly just stick to galactagogues because, and the reason I mention that is because herbal prolactin stimulators um, there are some that are contraindicated if you are diabetic, for example, if you have a peanut allergy, or if you have PCOS or any thyroid issues. And a lot of our moms who are inducing lactation are choosing surrogacy or adoption um, 
because they've had difficulty and challenges in the past. And so it's important that we don't um, exasperate those issues with just getting any herbs. So you want to make sure that you seek guidance from somebody who can walk you through the process because, for example, if you are diabetic or hypoglycemic, you definitely don't want to take anything that has fenugreek in it because that can lower your blood sugar and certainly will cause their, your milk to not produce. It can have the reverse effect. So for, you know, it's going to be, you know, gauged based on an individual mom. There are certainly herbs you can take that will are just, just pretty general that you can take altogether um, and, and won't have any contraindications. But certainly I would highly recommend seeking out somebody who can walk you through this process and get a good health history to make sure that you are taking the correct um, herb that will support your individual case versus just kind of going off of a generalized idea, if that makes sense. If I'm hearing you correctly then, before for any method, before you take any of the supplements or herbal supplements, you want to check with your doctor who knows your medical history to make certain that these herbs or the medications, for that matter, domperidone or reglan, mm-hmm. um, are not uh, contraindicated for for what your conditions, you know, any of your your private your previous uh, health conditions might be. So that's just Correct. good across the board. Okay. So yes. So the last method is just using a breast pump alone. Who would uh, would that be for uh, uh, people who do not are not comfortable? with taking the uh, prolactin stimulants, the domperidone or the reglan? That's correct. Um, again, that would just simply be trying to stimulate the breast tissue to do what it was designed to do. Um, and that, that it will produce some milk. It will not be nearly as effective as the other options. Um, there is, of course, some dietary things you can help, but I, I would like to stress if you've never been pregnant before, the pumping only method probably won't help. Um, it will it will produce something. You'll see some breast changes, but I don't necessarily recommend that option for anyone who has not been pregnant prior. Um, it's th- that method is really specified for people who've breastfed before, because then your okay, body. Okay, you said pregnant. Easy. Okay, so if you've been pregnant and you haven't breastfed, do you get the advantage of having been pregnant or uh, or is it only working? And this is for all the methods. You indicated that all for inducing sure. lactation generally, it is more effective, you said, for women who have been pregnant and breastfed. What about women who have been pregnant and not breastfed? It's still, certainly if you've breastfed before, it will help because our, our the cellular level of the breast tissue is remembering. However, even if you've just been pregnant and not breastfed, it's still helpful because the hormones, the pregnancy hormones have caused breast changes during the pregnancy. So even if you chose not to breastfeed or weren't able to for whatever reason, your body still has the memory of the breast changes that occurred during those early weeks of pregnancy. So it still will be helpful to the body. You know, it, it can remember what it's done before. So the biggest challenge is those who have not been pregnant prior, but, but pregnancy and or breastfeeding prior does certainly help the process. It's, so okay. it just depends on, on what our body's remembering. But yes, even if you've chosen not to breastfeed before or weren't capable or able to for various reasons, which are all very valid, um, the, the pregnancy hormones 
will have changed the breast tissue in some capacity prior. Okay. Now, let's talk about the safety of the medic- the medicines um, mm-hmm. and the herbs. We've just talked about the safety of the herbs and have stressed that uh, you need to let your medical doctor know what you're planning on taking and making certain that that from any of the herbs are, would not uh, be uh, ineffective or worse uh, harm you in some way. But you've also mentioned two other medications. We won't spend a lot of time on birth control because uh, I think most people know that there are uh, uh, there are side effects and there are disadvantages to birth control taking the birth control pill. Um, so that is something, however, we should say that if you were going to choose that method, clearly you would want to make certain that that uh, that there you don't have anything in your history that would indicate you should not be taking the birth control pill, whichever specifically pill is being recommended for inducing lactation. But I think more of uh, there's more interest in the safety of the prolactin stimulant medications. Uh, and mm-hmm. the two you mentioned is the uh, Domperidone, and I think the brand name is Motilium on that one. And then Reglin Correct. is the brand name, and I quite frankly don't know how to pronounce the – I am looking at it, but is it metroclopamide? I screwed that up, didn't I? How do you pronounce <laughs> You did the, actually uh, really good. Oh, okay. you, you, how, what is you, it? You did it. You did. See, I can never say it either. So we're two, we're two, we're two together. It's <laughs> metroclopamide. You actually pronounced it better than I could. So it's but Met, uh, Met, metoclopramide or something. Uh, yes. Metoclopramide, yes. M-E-T-O-C-L-O-P-R-A-M-I-D-E. Okay, brand name is Reglin. Uh-huh. All right. So uh, we've talked about both of those, as I understand it. So correct me if I'm wrong. Are approved by the FDA to use in the U.S. for GI intestinal issues, and uh, Reglin is also approved to increase milk supply, not necessarily specifically for adoptive or, or moms through surrogacy or, or adoption, but but for moms who are generally having a low supply for whatever reason. So Reglan has been, but Domperidone uh, um, has not been approved for this reason, for this use, I'm sorry, by the FDA. Mm-hmm. Do I have that correct? You do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Um, so the concern is, I think that a lot of people then wonder, uh, let's talk about side effects and safety of both of those medications um, on the mother and the baby. And let me pause for a moment to, to make note that the birth control pill will be stopped. So you are not taking the birth control pill while you're producing milk. But these prolactin-inducing medications the domperidone and the regulin, um, as I understand the protocol for inducing lactation, that you continue to take those throughout the time you are attempting to nurse. Is that correct? That is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, that yeah, raises I, the and, and the dosage will will alternate based on, you know, it's finding a happy medium with the dosage as well, but oftentimes we start on a low dose and then and then increase it as time goes yeah. on. As, as you mm-hmm. you can tell by your milk production. So mm-hmm. what are the side effects of each of these? You've mentioned one of the side effects of Reglan, and that is it can cause anxiety and depression. Uh, and uh, what are the side So let's just talk about the mom right now. What are sure. the side mm-hmm. effects for domperidone on the mom? 
on the woman? Dom Peridone, to be honest, is has very little side effects. And Dom Peridone just to, is internationally is the approved medication as far as, you know, the U.S. is the only country that has not FDA approved it. Every other country chooses Domperidone and actually has banned the use of Reglan. The U.S. is the only country that does it the opposite way. And so the reason why there is an FDA ruling against Domperidone, and thankfully it's, it's, a, it's in the works of being overturned, uh, is there is, it, it can cause cardiac arrhythmias in mothers. There was a few cases that were reported back in 2004, which is why um, the FDA ruling applied. And so as from a, from a baby standpoint, it's completely safe. It's considered an L2. So when I mention that, like what an L2 is, uh, we in the lactation world, the pediatric world as well, um, we categorize all medications, L1, L2, L3, L4, L5. L1 is the safest thing you can take. That would be like a Tylenol. L5 is that you absolutely cannot take it as it's harmful to both mom and baby or, wait, or wait, harmful wait, wait, to baby. Let me, let me stop you, Danielle. All right, so mm-hmm. we're talking now, uh, but we're, ne- we're now moving into talking about safety for the baby. And, and in specific, we're talking about safety for a nursing baby. So the concern of mm-hmm. what medication will be passed through the breast milk to the baby, am I correct? I'm, I'm That's correct. correct. Yes. Yeah. So okay. Yes. So when we we categorize medications, um, we base it on any medication that will bypass through the mother, getting passed into breast milk, which very few medications do. Um, you know, so we we categorize it based on the the how it gets transferred into the breast milk, as well as the safety of it for for the baby, as well as for the mother. You know, we have different, we, we look at both effects. So Domperidone is classified as an L2, which is safe um, as far as safety for both mom and baby. Um, Reglan is actually lower on that list. And so it's, it's considered an L3 and in some books even an L4. So although it's so meaning that because the, the side effects often outweigh the benefits. So when we look at the two of those side by side, um, lactation consultants as well as most doctors, their hands are tied because we know the safety of Domperidone is, is better for, for both mom and baby. Um, the only time it's contraindicated is if mother has a history of any cardiac um, issues, uh, whether herself or, you know, in, the, in her family. Because, like I said, the, the one side effect is a cardiac arrhythmia. So if that's in her health history, definitely not a good candidate for it. Otherwise, it does not have any other side effects emotionally, neurologically. All, uh, it can cause some, you know, tiredness uh, when you first begin it, a little bit of, you know, dizziness. Um, when you first begin the medication, your body will adapt to that. Um, it is an anti-nausea medication, so, you know, it does help with motility of the gut. So it, it's designed to, you know, to actually take your food and pass it through the gut faster. So um, it won't have any uh, digestive issues, but that, that's compared on, on its side. Reglan, on the other hand, um, again, is, is a GI medication, and so it's also designed to help move the, move the GI tract and digest better but it has a side effect of 
affecting our um, dopamine. So because of that, a lot of mothers have reported, and there's now a warning on it, um, some emotional and can cause neurological side effects, such as like like muscle twitching and things like that, um, on both mom and baby. So because of that, a lot of times um, we are a little bit wary. You know, it's such an emotional time as it is, introducing a medication that can exasperate your emotional, you know, side effects. So that's why we tend to, to encourage the use of domperidone versus Reglan. And when you say we, who do you who are you referring to? We, uh, uh, of course, sorry, uh, lactation consultants. You know, most gotcha. internationally board certified lactation consultants will will go off of that protocol, um, and simply just based on what's safer. And Jack, Dr. Jack Newman is a is kind of spearheaded a lot of the research on domperidone, and he is definitely worth reading up on. He has uh, spent years, you know, looking at the protocols and developing um, protocols as far as the safety for these medications. And he's brilliant in, in his research. And he does a beautiful job of listing the pros and cons. And um, that is, that's typically who, where most lactation consultants and the pediatricians, for that matter, um, like to follow. Because we obviously our goal is to have the safety of mom and baby in mind with the most positive outcomes. And so, you know, if we have to introduce a medication, that's the route we would choose if we had to, just because we've been able to see more positive outlooks for for everyone involved. Uh, And I should mention that um, we have talked with uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Goldfarb, who works with uh, Dr. Newman and helped develop the Newman-Goldfarb protocol. And she has. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we have a number of of, of resources provided uh, by Dr. Goldfarb, as well as I believe uh, a course. Uh, another, I'm not certain, but I believe we have another uh, one of our um, uh, adopted uh, for parents courses was done by Dr. Goldfarb as well. All right. So we do know that the there is, or do we? I should ask. Do we know if either Domperidone or Reglan pass through the breast milk, so is the baby getting some? Yes, it will. Uh, all of those, <clears throat> excuse me, all medications, I should preface, will pass through into the breast milk. The half-life of medications is what changes the protocol. So there will be some of those medications that do pass into the breast milk. It's just very, very low, and the effects, uh, the half-life of Domperidone is far different than the half-life of Reglan. So Domperidone is a, a, another reason why we prefer because it's a little bit safer. Um, but, yes, anything that mother ingests get, does get processed through um, her body, her liver breaks it down and it passes into the bloodstream, which then passes into the breast milk. So there will be traces of that in the breast milk, yes. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned before, and I meant to stop and give the uh, what the acronym stands for. You went AAP. That is the American Academy of Pediatrics. So what is the American Academy of Pediatrics position on uh, adoptive breastfeeding or surrogacy breastfeeding? They are, um, it, they are very pro. 
um, inducing lactation. They, of course, are a huge advocates of breast milk in general, just because we know from the health and safety standpoint of, of the benefits far outweigh the risks. And so you'll be hard-pressed to find any recent uh, literature on it. I think the most recent publication is in 2012. But they do um, encourage the, the promotion of, of induced lactation and, and human lactation just because it's just a, a healthier benefit, not only for, for the baby, but even emotionally for mom. So they definitely support it. And uh, there are publications stating giving, you know, positive statements on it as well. Well, you know, I, I went, to, in preparation for this show, I went looking um, on our website, creatingafamily.org. We have a large uh, section with lots of resources for uh, adoptive breastfeeding uh, and breastfeeding moms, moms through surrogacy breastfeeding as well. And I went back to our resources and we link to a 2005 position paper by the American Academy of Pediatrics. And yeah, I wouldn't say that they were strongly in favor. The language that I pulled just simply said that it, you should, uh, pedi- pediatricians were encouraged to counsel adoptive moms about this option or something along those lines. They really didn't take a stand one way or the other. They just said that pediatricians uh, should counsel uh, the adoptive parents. They revised that, if I understand this correctly, they revised their position paper in 2012, and I was unable to find any mention at all in the revised position paper. So I'm, I'm left to wonder if they had it in the 2005 one and they took it out in the 2012 one, does that indicate a shift? And I wasn't able to find anything on their website or on my Google search, you know, which I realize is not the definitive source of getting information, but... Um, um, I wasn't able to find anything. So, do you have you seen anything recent um, by the? Uh, are are you referencing back to the 2005 position paper? I'm, exactly. They haven't re- they haven't recently published anything, to my knowledge, uh, you know, in favor or against since the last publication is was written in 2005 as well as um, but in 2012, you know, you saw there. I read the same revision that you did. Um, what we do know is that is that they have, you know, certainly who founded the World Health Organization um, has partnered along with them, and we do see that you know World Health Organization does promote it. Um, it. But you are correct in the sense that they have not published anything recently in the last few years on it on the induced lactation. Mm-hmm. Right, let me let me point out that the. Yeah. The American Academy of Family Physicians has a recent position, or it's the, their current position. And it's, I'm just going to read it. It says, the physician sure. should discuss with adoptive mothers the option to breastfeed her child. That is very, by the way, I'm going to add, that is very similar, almost identical to the language of the 2005 language from the American mm-hmm. Academy of Pediatrics. And then they go further. The American Academy of Family Physicians', physicians position goes further and says, uh, a knowledgeable physician or lactation consultant may help the mother develop a milk supply before or after adoption. Uh, so anyway, they go a little further. So there is some, uh, there is a medical organization. Um, it's just not the that has a. I assume this is a current position. It is currently listed on their website, and there's not a date associated with it, which generally means it's their current position. They've not changed anything. Yes. So anyway, I, I'll throw that out there and just say that we do have something. All right. Um, Yay. So, yeah, yeah, I know, exactly. Right. <laughs> so what percentage 
of women who induce lactation will be able to produce all the milk that their baby needs as uh, as uh, he or she grow, as he or she grows. Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, it it it's very it's very individual. So for me to give kind of a number. I don't know would be fair uh, because it definitely depends, like I said prior to mom's health history. Um, I, I will go off of my, this is something I uh, do a lot in my practice. And I will say about 50% of the time, moms are able to produce um, a full supply. And that, but that, let me preface that, that's with using domperidone and herbs, having done the birth control prior, you know, the, the whole nine yards uh, they were able to produce. And these, a lot of times, those are the moms who have breastfed prior. The okay. statistics go down for moms who have not been able to breastfeed um, prior or been pregnant, but I will say they are able to produce at least half of their baby's diet which is incredible. And, you know, oftentimes once the babies are born and the mothers are able to latch the baby, the milk supply is going to increase because the hormones that are transferred between mom and her baby are so powerful that it's going to, that naturally just causes things to increase. Um, I often encourage my moms who are inducing lactation that they may not have a full supply once that baby's born. And we have to certainly keep a close eye in those first beginning weeks on both mom and baby to make sure, you know, monitoring what she is producing based on what the baby's transferring, based on output, et cetera. Um, and that's where great tools like a supplemental nursing system comes in, which is a, a feeding tube that can actually attached to mother's nipple, which holds either previously expressed milk, donor milk, or formula that will allow the baby to still feed from mom directly and get all nutritional needs met while she is building her supply. And so that way, all of the feeds are coming from mom. Baby associates mom with food, which allows that milk to increase. But I will say, um, if I were to look back on my 14 years of, of my career in looking at the moms that I have worked with, it was inducing, um, I will say all the cases have been able to produce something. And some are able to have a full supply, some are able to produce half a supply, but even those that are only able to produce half to a quarter, the, the, the milk they are producing, I encourage those moms to look at as almost their vitamins or this amazing, you know, gift they're giving is because every drop of breast milk they're getting from their mom is going to help their immunity levels, their growth hormones, and their developmental state. So every, every ounce they get is going to be huge. And the more they do it, the more they'll make. So it's, I'm a little hesitant to give a percentage just because it's so case by case based on the mother's history. So knowing that though, the emotional bond that can happen even from just tube feeding or chest feeding is, is huge. So like I said, it's hard to give it a number to that, but I would say it, it, it goes case by case if that answers your question. And for people who want to see a picture of a mom nursing with a supplemental feeding system with the tubes, uh, we have mm-hmm. a picture. It is the picture on our uh, page, our uh, adoptive breastfeeding page. You can get to it by going to our website, which is creatingafamily.org. Click on 
hover over the word adoption, click on A to Z resources, and then click on adoptive breastfeeding, and you'll see a picture of a mom in the process of nursing using a supplemental feeding system. Now, what supplemental feeding systems specifically are available, and are, or do you recommend one over the other? I do. I There are several options. Um, I do prefer the Medela brand of um, the supplemental nursing system, also known as an SNS. There's two versions of that. There's a temporary one, which only holds about an ounce. That is typically advised just for moms in the hospital with trying to build a supply. For adopted and surrogate moms, I do recommend using the, the advanced supplemental nursing system, which can hold up to about um, five ounces uh, per bottle. And uh, that it almost sits in there like a necklace. And that works. So basically it sits in between the breasts like a necklace and it will work in making, um, and it has two tubes that connect to it to allow that to to fully express milk, if that makes sense. So the Medela brand is, is my preferred brand of choice. And there is another one, Lactaid. Um, I assume they're still um, in production, are they? Oh, yes. Um, Lactaid was actually one of the first ones that we had, but yeah, it so. works a little bit differently. Um, it's, it, it's a little bit more flimsy and finicky, and a lot of moms get frustrated with it. So I prefer... The, the Medela brand, it's just a little bit more sturdy. Hygia okay. is another brand that has produced a supplemental nursing system, but again, uh, it's a little bit flimsier. So mo- most moms have success with the Medela brand. Okay, excellent. All right, good. Mm-hmm. All right, you are listening to a course with Creating a Family. Today we're talking about induced lactation for adoptive parenting or for moms through surrogacy. I wanted to tell you that you can connect with us, and we would love to have you connect with us on the social media. Clout now ranks us as the number one online influencer worldwide in the area of adoption. And uh, we're very proud of that ranking, and they rank us that because we have very active social media uh, communities. Um, We primarily hang out on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Uh, there are three ways to connect with us on Facebook. You can connect with me individually, dawn.davenport1. You can also connect uh, with our page, which is, of course, Creating a Family. And we have a very active and very supportive uh, Facebook group. Uh, and it is, in fact, we talk about uh, adoptive breastfeeding not infrequently. Uh, and you can uh, access that by facebook.com slash groups slash family. Or perhaps the easiest way is just type in the words creating a family into the Facebook search box and you can like the page and uh, join the group. It is a closed group, so you have to request to join and we will get back to you and, 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 and let you know. Um, let's talk about not all adoptions are of newborn infants, so let's talk about the importance of the age of the baby when you attempt to breastfeed through induced lactation. Uh, and and also, uh, I suppose not just the age of the baby, but the baby's prior feeding history before they but before they um, enter your home. Sure, <clears throat> certainly it's it's more it, babies do better if they have uh, if you're able to breastfeed from the get go. Um, the older they get, you know, of course their developmental milestones kick in, and if they've been primarily bottle fed, it does start to become more of a challenge as far as getting the baby to latch. Uh, But 
there are different tools that we can use. Um, I, a lot of times you'll hear the term nipple confusion. Uh, I prefer to say flow preference simply because babies don't necessarily have a nipple confusion. They get a flow preference as to how fast the milk is coming. So if you've had an older baby uh, that is primarily bottle fed, when they go to latch on to, you know, they've been using a silicone nipple from a bottle, and if they come to the breast, it's, it's a different texture, it's a different feel, and of course, there's not that instant flow, that instant gratification. So a lot of times, the babies aren't willing to latch. <laughs> so, but there are ways around that. That's where a nipple shield could come into play, which would give the same texture um, as the bottle, as well as uh, using a, a SNS or supplemental nursing system along with the nipple shield can give that baby that instant flow. And then over, you know, a few feeding sessions or, you know, a few days time, the baby will then associate that full euphoric feeling of being full in those feeding sessions with mom. And so in those instances, if it's an older baby, I often recommend starting with a bottle and finishing at the breast because it's, and it's a matter of just certainly patience and consistency, but uh, it w I would be prepared that there will be a little bit of a hurdle if the baby's older, just because, you know, babies are used to being fed one way. So trying to get them to feed a different way can sometimes pose a challenge, but not every baby is that way. So it's definitely a case by case but uh, the age of the baby can play a role. But that doesn't mean that you can't induce lactation and provide even the nutritional benefits of breast milk through pumping. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, and, I, and, and it makes sense to me that if you start them all, you start a baby who is used to a bottle and is used to getting instant gratification after sucking, which breastfeeding doesn't necessarily give you immediately, it makes sense mm -hmm. to start with a bottle so that the edge of the hunger is taken off uh, and he yes. or she will be perhaps a little more patient at that point because she's not really hungry. <laughs> so exactly. she will be more patient exactly. to, uh, to uh, uh, be fed a little more slowly at that point and to work a little harder uh, to exactly. get that. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. We received a question from our audience, and I'm glad that, that we got this because I, this is something that we do here, uh, and it's from Beth, and she says, um, we know that breast milk is best nutritionally, and I am not at all discounting the emotional component, but is it best if you have to take drugs to induce it? Um, mm. I think this is worth discussing because the reality is you are um, – you are introducing, perhaps safe, perhaps not. We don't know. I mean, there's a, uh, there are drugs that you are taking to do this. Have yes. we have we created such a cult around breastfeeding now that moms are feeling that if I don't breastfeed, I'm missing out on some essential element of motherhood, or I'm cheating my baby uh, to the extent that you know this is you know it's bad parenting. Um, so let's talk a little bit about best question. Yes, I am so glad that that got brought up. I am a huge advocate of fed is best versus breast is best. Um, I fully believe that, A, our first job is to feed a baby. Second job is to do what's going to make you the best mama for that baby. And, and this goes, this is my whole philosophy with lactation in general, uh, whether it's adopted or, you know, natural birth, 
that you have to emotionally do what's going to be best for the both of you to build that lifelong bond. I am not a fan of complicated plans that end up creating a wall or this feeling of guilt or, or any of those negative emotions when it comes to feeding your baby. And, and that stems a lot even from myself. I was a total closet bottle feeder when I, when I was breastfeeding my 13-year-old because I had a lot of issues breastfeeding. She's exactly why I do what I do. Um, and I had horrific postpartum depression. I felt like I was a bad mom that because I was giving a bottle or formula that, you know, I was – cheating myself and, and the, the depression and the wall that it built between me and my daughter was just horrific. And I never, ever wanted that to be for any other mom, which is why I do what I do. So let me just preface you feeding, um, whether it's from a bottle or the breast, you giving your baby nutrition makes you an excellent mother. And whether that comes, you know, that doesn't matter what the source is. So um, I'm so glad you brought that up because I do agree with you. There's become this, this negative pressure that if you don't breastfeed your baby, oh, my gosh, how horrible. And that's mm-hmm. not fair because there's many reasons as to why a woman chooses not to breastfeed. Now, to kind of pinpoint that towards the medications that get passed through, um, that's a very valid point. The benefits of breast milk versus formula are the fact that only our human body can produce the, anti- the live antibodies, the live growth hormones, the antiviral that will be passed on into the breast milk. Um, if the, for like I said, mentioned before, if the baby's sick and is, and is breastfeeding, the saliva from the baby gets into the, to, into the breast and our bodies can produce antibodies specifically for that child's illness. So yes, those are the things that only breast milk can provide. However, the vitamins, minerals, proteins, fats, all of the nutritional things that they need from a dietary standpoint are also available in formula as well. So, you know, those two components is really the only thing. So that the, med- the medications that are being used to increase um, our breast milk or to induce lactation will have more side effects on the mother versus necessarily the baby. So like I said, very little of that gets passed into the breast milk. So it's not going to necessarily affect the baby from the medication standpoint, but she brings up a point. You are putting yourself at risk for certain aspects um, because there's always going to be side effects with medication. Now Mm -hmm. uh, there are um, food-based herbs and galactagogues that you can use that will have no side effects. For example, um, one that I didn't, I mentioned more milk plus earlier, those are more herbal based, but there is food based options like Golacta, which is the Malungai vegetable, which, um, is very similar to a turnip and that's food based. So our body's going to process that just as food, but it just happens to have a wonderful side effect of increasing milk. Um, same as oatmeal or barley or basil or um, alfalfa, all those things are food-based that won't have any negative side effects that can support breast milk. So it's really kind of taking into consideration the pros and cons of, of what is best for your personal situation. Um, but there's always alternatives as well. Has there been any research analyzing breast milk of women who were uh, pregnant and were breastfeeding their child? Uh, against uh, the breast milk of women who were not pregnant and induced lactation from a nutritional standpoint, from uh, a antibody standpoint, just from any, any number of standpoints? It, it's going to be exactly the same. The only difference is that 
a woman who induced lactation will not produce colostrum. Colostrum, like I, is full of a lot of protein and rich antibodies um, that that the body can only produce if it's had a placenta inside. So uh, without that, that is the only aspect that will be missing. So induced lactation, the breast milk that is produced at that point is going to be the same nutritional value as a woman who is lactating day three, four, five post-delivery. So it's going to be exactly the same, same anti, um, you know, antibi- antibodies as well as growth hormones are going to be present in both situations. All right. Uh, and we, uh, another question that I, we got that I'm glad that we got is from Joey. And she said, how do you explain this to family and friends? You know, this is outside mm. the norm. And, yes. uh, and, and, and because it is, you're, you do become, you take on the role, whether you want to or not, uh, as educator. That is, if you let people know what you're doing. So let's talk about that some. How have, uh, how have you seen this be accepted or not? amongst family and friends, and and what do you suggest as far as um, how you explain this? I'll use my own personal experience from four years ago. Uh, A lot of, you definitely will get um, some that think it's incredible, that are like, wow, you know, how, how amazing are our bodies. You're also going to get, I would say, more of our older generation who may, you know, keep in mind, you know, 30, 40 years ago, breastfeeding wasn't very common. It was kind of a taboo thing to do. So a lot of times the responses that I see are, you know, some mothers grieving their own loss of maybe not being able to to breastfeed and, and might give a, a negative connotation to it because they're grieving their own loss of that situation in their own lives. Um, but it is taboo. You know, it's a little, it's a little bit... Maybe that was the wrong word, but it's a, it's it's different for sure. So a lot of the education comes in and knowing that this is something that you get to do as a gift for you and for your baby, and it's really educating them not only on the health benefits of it, the emotional benefits of it, but also knowing that this is your baby, this is your experience, and you get to do this your way. And thankfully, as your as a parent, we get to take everything with a grain of salt and do what's going to be best for our personal situation and knowing that you'll probably get some, you know, interesting comments from family members that just don't know. And so that's, you're right. You take on the role of educator and advocate and kind of move forward from that. Um, For me, uh, I did get a lot of flack from it. And, and I think it was more just from like my grandmothers and things of that nature, just because it's, it was different and it's not the norm. But once they were educated, they were fascinated by what our bodies are capable of doing. And it's, it, it was, it was a great opportunity to, to shed a very positive light on the normalcy of this is my baby. This is what, um, just because I didn't birth this child doesn't make them any less mine. If that makes sense. It does. It makes good sense. So we've talked about family and friends but I think there, this raises. There's another person that in the uh, another mom in the uh, adoption mm-hmm. triad, and that is the birth mom, and yes. uh, or the and the expectant mom before she has uh, made a decision. Um, so, in your experience, and then I'll share. Well, I'll share uh, what I have heard as well. I suspect that there are as many different opinions as there are birth moms. 
However, I will say that there does seem to be perhaps more uh, – it's hard for me to know percentages because I obviously I don't, I'm not speaking to the entire universe of birth moms. We did do a show uh, a number of, of, of years ago. Um, a creating a family radio show. We did one with a panel of birth moms, and I raised the question to them how they would feel. And and I would say of those, uh, the majority uh, were were somewhat taken aback, had not even thought about it as a possibility, and the the response was not positive. The one birth mom who said who had uh, I th- I think it was a subsequent to pregnancy. Uh, and she had nursed, and she said, I would have been against it until I also, I nursed um, uh, the child that I chose to parent, and uh, now I, I would not be against it. But I will I will say that on the on our support group, where we have birth moms uh, as well, there tends to be a, a negative uh, affiliate, uh, association with adoptive moms breastfeeding. I can't speak mm-hmm. to the predominance of that. And we've heard that some with some adoptees. Again, I would go back to say I suspect that you can't, uh, that you get as many opinions as there are adoptive people. But mm-hmm. uh, at least the ones who are more active on uh, our support groups, which may or may not be reflective of the whole, um, do seem to have a negative reaction. So let's talk about that. Then I want to segue into a discussion of the ethics, if this is what you're planning on doing, uh, about talking um, about this with the uh, expectant mom. So let's talk first about what your experience has been uh, with uh, expectant moms and then subsequently after the, the adoption birth moms, acceptance or thoughts on adoptive breastfeeding. Uh, so are you specifically, just to clarify, you're specifically asking my thoughts on the birth mother, on what yeah, they, do, uh, their you, emotional Have you had aspects? any experience? No, I'm just asking if you've had any experience uh, with uh, birth moms or expectant moms being in favor or against uh, adoptive oh, moms. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, it, it's pretty split, to be honest. Um, some... I think there's, you know, when you're a birth mom, there's so many emotions involved. Um, it, I often have seen as well the the birth mom offer, knowing the benefits of colostrum, for example, the willingness to uh, pump and, and provide the colostrum to the baby. Um, it depends, I think, also if you have a closed or open adoption in that aspect too. You know, in my in my personal experience, and and I think this is where it kind of it's kind of backfired on my end is that the the birth mother asked if she could uh, you you know give the colostrum to the baby um, and 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 it is that that's when the bonding happened and she chose to keep her her little one which I was in full support of at the time um, but at and there's a grief that goes you know through that is just like any loss. Um, and we also have to take into account the birth mother's emotions. Um, this is, they're they're giving a, a huge gift to these adopted moms, and um, they're also going to experience some loss. I think it's a little different when it's a, a birth mother giving her child up for adoption versus a surrogacy. You know, surrogacies mm-hmm. are are providing a huge gift for a family, and they're looking at that from start to finish as a gift. And so, you know they're going to be more open 
to the idea of induced lactation because it's part of the package, you know, if you will. Uh, well, they also, moms quite are frankly, just, don't really have a choice. I mean, you know, generally exa- at this point exactly. it's a negotiated something, whereas an expectant mom who is choosing a family, um, and that's yes. generally the way this works uh, now in domestic infant adoption, uh, does have mm-hmm. a choice. Uh, yes. And she can choose if she is uh, uncomfortable uh, with this, she can choose against it. So I think that may be another, you know, a distinct thing. Interesting. What about the mm-hmm. ethics of of if this is something that you plan on doing and you're an adoptive parent, adoptive mom, um, the ethics of whether or not to disclose this to an expectant mom during when you're discussing, when she's making the decision if she wants to uh, match with your family. That's very interesting. I I personally... It, I think it can go both ways. I personally believe it would probably be beneficial to keep it open and 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 let her know. I know if if I were in her shoes, I would want to know everything. And mm-hmm. I think it's only fair, you know, that you know, there although she's giving her child up, this expectant mom is going to want to know that everything going into what's happening with this baby. And so I do agree with the, with the aspect of allowing this birth mom to know, this is what I'm choosing. This is how I want to feed this baby. I think it, it would, it would make her feel more comfortable. Um, But again, it's going to be case by case, I I think, but me personally, I do feel um, it's best to always keep everything open and I do feel, uh, you know, whether once, you know, if the, adop- it's the, the adopted mother has taken that baby, it's certainly her choice to do what she would choose. Um, but me personally, I feel that it should be discussed. But that's my own opinion. We received an interesting question from Jeanette, and she wanted us to discuss the possibility, and this primarily would come up with um, in the LGBTQ community, and that mm, is yes. men uh, breastfeeding. And I would imagine this may come up, uh, well, either obviously with gay couples, mm. but uh, probably also transgender uh, uh, yes. couples or individuals. So, uh, the, you know, men are mammals. They do have, yes. at least they have a nipple. So I don't know, do they have the tissue that the milk-producing tissue? They do. I've actually induced uh, lactation on a man, (laughs) believe it or not. He uh, was choosing to be, um, he was the biological father and was going to become transgender and wanted to be the lactating mother. And uh, so, uh, I yes, men have the same tissue we do. Uh, they, They can certainly produce milk if we make it happen um a lot of men are not open to that but yes it it is absolutely possible um another thing we like to call is chest feeding so for um a lot of our families for example if we have um homosexual men that are choosing to adopt a, a baby um sometimes they want to do what's called chest feeding which is they would have to use a, a supplemental nursing system and it's the same way but yes you can induce lactation on a man it's obviously not very common but it is it does happen i oftentimes see more commonly um when we have uh, a lesbian family with two 
you know, two moms, that there's one who has given birth and the other mom chooses to induce lactation so that they can share the feeding responsibilities. Um, so, yes, I do see that quite a bit. Yeah, I can um, see that. Yeah, both that, aspects. That well, mm-hmm. and transgender women who who are mm-hmm. adoptive parents, uh, I would see yes. that that she would want to, if that that would be important, and it's good for to know that that is a a possibility. I'm going to guess that, that there is not a high probability that that uh, that she would be able to at that point produce enough milk to feed to do the entire milk supply for no, the child no but, uh, yeah, yeah. It, those those aspects tend to be more from an emotional bonding standpoint there will be mm-hmm. some um, but definitely not enough to sustain the nutritional needs of the child by any means so um, just from a hormonal standpoint but yes uh, that's more of a, a the emotional aspect like I said there's so much more to breastfeeding than feeding uh, that's where that comes into play for sure Excellent. Well, I think we have time for one last thing, and that is what if you were, could choose a few top tips to to give adoptive moms or uh, moms through surrogacy on uh, adoptive breastfeeding to be successful? And, and, and we define success by not necessarily producing the entire milk supply, Correct. but having a satisfactory, a well-fed baby in any way and, and, and a satisfactory uh emotional experience for everyone concerned. So what would be your what would be some of your tips, top tips that you would tell them? Yes, actually I am so glad that you specified that a successful case is not necessarily a full supply. Um mm-hmm. I, I would say my my best advice would be patience, consistency, and just understanding the process as a whole, knowing that any drops, any ounces that you get it is beneficial and, and just keeping an open mind about it. Uh, it can be exhausting, but it can also be very rewarding. So I would, I would just say um, if you're a patient, consistent, and have an open mind with it and know that the most important thing going into this is, A, we're feeding our baby and we get to bond with our baby in a really cool way, um, that will make you successful overall um that the fact that we have this as a is even a possibility is such a huge gift um so Mm -hmm. i would just say you know just keep keep an open mind with it try not to get frustrated know that everybody's different um but the most uh, successful case is the fact that you get this little bundle that that you get to feed in some capacity so hopefully that gives you a little bit of encouragement (laughs) excellent advice let me say what I say at the end of each course. Keep in mind that the information given in this interview is general advice. To understand how to apply it to your specific situation, please work with your adoption professional as well as, in this case, with your medical and health provider. Um, thank you so much, Danielle Gauss, for being with us today uh, to talk about this really important topic of induced lactation and how it can be used in both adoption and surrogacy. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let me recommend, too, if you have enjoyed our show, that please uh, take a moment to pop over to iTunes and give us a ranking. We are ranked number one, and we would love to maintain that ranking. And other people, this is how iTunes uses it. It's your rankings that they use in order to uh, uh, give us the uh, um, – in order to recommend our show to other people. Uh, let me also uh, mention that uh, Danielle's website is an excellent one. I mentioned it at the top, uh, justbreastfeeding.com. 
very useful, lots of good information there. So you can not only, she's got information on induced lactation, but she also has information on lots of other things as well. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today, and I will see you next week. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, wah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, wah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.